0: Hi and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick and uh, you can hear the birds in the trees alongside this road that leads me to the woods. It is um, 8.30 in the evening, but it's still light. I love that we're heading towards the summer and uh, the days are a bit longer, at least when it comes to light, because otherwise I would say that the days are getting shorter. For some reason, for these past two weeks, I feel like every day just doesn't have enough hours. There's so much that I want to do, and it's something that I addressed in uh, last week's episodes of, um, of the walk as well. You know, sometimes I feel so overwhelmed by all the things that I would like to do, and it is uh, difficult to discern um, what to do and what to let go of. And I got some good feedback from a number of you. Um, I remember that one of you said, well, if, if the criterion is that you should only do the things that make you feel uh, accomplished instead of just relieved, then what about situations where your days are um, uh, full of duties? work duties just because your boss tells you to do something or family duties because you have responsibilities as as a parent or otherwise and you know what that's a very good point Um, what i wanted to make clear is that um, it's it's about balance Um, of course uh, every life also has its duties and 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 many of us have to do Things from time to time that we don't particularly like, but they're just part of what we need to do. I mean, if, if, I, um, if I finish my, my taxes, um, I don't really feel accomplished. I feel, <laughs> I feel very relieved. It's like, okay, we're, we're done with that. But if I cannot just dispense uh, from, uh, from doing my taxes just because uh, I don't feel accomplished and it's, it's not something I love to do. So don't get me wrong, it is uh, important to find a balance between duties and, and things that drive you and give, give you energy back. And my situation for a long time has been that most of my time was dedicated to stuff that I just did because I felt that I had to do it. Uh, I, I, I thought that I was supposed to do this, but it wasn't really something that... Um, fulfilled me and uh, uh, gave me a return on investment. Oh, these people are uh, working on their garden, planting a couple of new trees. And this house even has completely removed the existing garden. They're renovating the entire house inside and outside. And I guess it's probably easier for them to just get rid of the entire Uh, garden if it wasn't very pretty or maybe there's a there are a lot of weeds growing in there and just add a new top layer of soil and replant it it's on my list as well to work on the backyard but as I said the days are just so short and there's even if I uh, I think successfully would have been able to get rid of a lot of these obligations and uh, things that I thought were urgent, but not really important, and slowly started to replace them with things that I feel are really part of, of my mission as a priest, of my vocation, and, and also fulfill me with a, a, a sense of gratitude that I can do the things that I do. Even then, it's still hard to, to choose, because there's so much that I like to do like for instance today um this morning i woke up a little bit later um that is to say i woke up very early at 6 30 and i had a headache and i just I was like why why am i awake i'm super tired <laughs> i'm in the middle of a dream what is waking me up and then after a few minutes i started to realize oh wait a minute it's because there are people talking outside and then it dawned upon me these guys it's two guys have been doing this for about two weeks now and every morning at around 6 30 they're they're standing underneath my window talking to one another and it's because they, they they're my my sleeping the window of my uh, bedroom is uh adjacent to the to the church the square in front of the church and so it's a parking lot and I guess that they're waiting there to get picked up uh, for work but they are talking to each other uh, in a loud voice probably not realizing that the house they're standing in front of is uh, is, is, is is not an office it's where people live and in my case uh, where people sleep so anyway I I um, I debated, I, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I am still tired. I need at least a, another hour of sleep. And at the same time, I, this needs to stop, you know. And a few days ago, I I uh, found a, a, like a fix for this by just putting... Uh, 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 how do you call these? These ear, not earplugs, but... Um, these ye- these yellow spongy things you put in your ears and it blocks out the sound. Uh, but it's getting warmer. Uh, temperatures are rising. And it's not very comfortable to sleep with those earplugs in. And so, no, I'm not going to do that. What I could try to drown out their the sound of their voices by putting on a boring podcast on, on my iPad or something like that. But that is only going to perturb my sleep even more because then I'll subconsciously start listening to the podcast no, that's not a solution but the only, the only thing I didn't want to do is to, you know, step outside and ask them to leave or at least make them aware that uh, their talk was waking me up and so I stayed in bed and after a couple of minutes I was like, but why actually why don't I just go outside and tell them they, they probably don't realize that they are waking me up every day and so I don't. I still don't know exactly how I found the courage to do this. Um, and I'll get to the reasons for that later on in this podcast. But uh, I went downstairs in my pajamas and uh, uh, didn't put on my bathrobe or anything. I wanted them to know that they woke me up, and I told them, "Hey guys, do you realize that you are standing right underneath the window of my bedroom?" and um, I, I'm, I'm sure this is not your intent, but it does wake me up every morning. Um, is it possible for you to um, maybe wait somewhere else? And then they were all apologetic. And, oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to lower our voices. And uh, a few minutes later, they were gone. So hopefully they, they will not just speak in the lower voice, because I hear everything, especially when I have the window open. Um which in the summer, of course, I do all the time because I don't like to suffocate inside the house, don't have air conditioning. Um, even, even people whispering would probably still wake me up. Um, but I was, I was actually very glad that I was able to, well, that I, that I overcame my um, hesitation and that I just said, hey, guys, can we talk about this? that is not very typical for me, not very common but anyway, so I went back to bed couldn't really sleep that much because I was still going over and over what just happened um, this is part of the overthinking that I um, sometimes suffer from and so uh, after about an hour I stepped out of bed and still a bit drowsy tried to wake up, got some breakfast um, and, and then it was already nine I think uh, so I, I just started working, and but the thing is, if if you, if you don't have, enough sleep, uh, focus becomes difficult, and so, I got, distracted, and and so I, I, I sometimes I'm just mindlessly browsing, and I I totally forget why I'm, why I'm behind my computer, <laughs> and it just feels like the day, went by so fast, and I. I hardly r- remember what I did, and then uh, one one thing that I wanted to do uh, was to start journaling again. I've uh, put that on pause for a couple of weeks. Um, I was uh, writing in a, in a in a real bullet journal journal by hand, and I really liked the process, and it helped me to become more aware of. Uh, the things that I actually did do, and to be more grateful for everything that uh, uh, that succeeds. But maybe it's just because of a whole other things that required my attention in the morning. I just stopped doing it, um, and I figured, you know what? I, I I've got the feel feeling that that, that time is so is is fleeting, um, and I don't get a good grip, good handle of of what I'm doing. Maybe I should. Start to journal again, so that every day I can uh, at least define for myself a few of the goals that I want to reach, and also at the end of the day to be able to evaluate: was this a good day, or should I try better? Should I um, uh, try to, um, uh, to to rearrange my activities tomorrow and see if that works works better? So that's what I did. I started to write down for, for this just for this week. What have I done on Sunday? What have I done on Monday and Tuesday? And I realized, oh, wait a minute. I actually, even though I feel like I didn't do much and the days just went by very fast, I actually used my time quite well. And one of the things I realized while journaling was I've been posting a video or a podcast or um, giving a homily every single day. Um, and and so I'm very consistent. All of a sudden, in putting stuff out there. Now for a homily that, of course, is not not such a novelty because I I I preach every Sunday and I don't mind doing that and it's it's uh, um, expected of me. <laughs> so, but when it comes to and podcasting the same thing, it's part of my routine. Even though it still happens too often that uh, hey, there is a. A couple, uh, couple of lambs here. Hello there. Eating grass. Hey. What's that? Oh, he's a little bit uh, apprehensive. Uh, he's just chewing on his grass there. Oh, he's, you're so cute. You're so cute. Hey, buddy. Now he even stops chewing. Okay, he's just heading towards the other two. <laughs> uh, they're still very young lambs. Uh, most of the lambs outside are, are already... A lot taller and bigger these must be uh must have been born more recently. Where was I <laughs> so um podcasting part of my routine, but um for the past three weeks, every time I find myself podcasting in the evening on Sunday just to get that podcast out there for the for that particular week um the walk is usually easier to produce in the course of the week because i always go for walk. so there's every every week i have multiple occasions to record something i don't always take my recorder with me of course but um but that usually isn't a problem but the break requires much more uh, effort it takes uh, much more time to prepare and of course i i want to i'd like to study the topics that i am going to talk about um and in, in addition to that, with the break, I, I'm, as you may have noticed, uh, trying to find uh, a, a more clever way to repurpose some of the content of the podcast. Not everything, um, but to repurpose some of that stuff on uh, on YouTube. And so um, the con- converting my preparation process and even setting up the camera so I can just sit in front of the computer, I have the microphone where it should be, and it still looks good on camera. Figuring that out took um, took me quite a while. And so, oftentimes, that's that's usually where the, the time that I would normally put into prep, prepping and recording a podcast. That's where, where, where my time went. And so, in order to still deliver a podcast every week, um, I end up doing that on Sundays. Which, you know, I don't mind recording a podcast, but it does uh, perturb the... The Sunday peace, the Sunday rest, and oftentimes on Monday, I still feel like, oh, I need a weekend, but the weekend is already over. So, um, so th- I wrote down for today uh, in my in my bullet journal bu- bullet journal this morning, um, record a walk today, and then record the break tomorrow, which is Thursday. I'm recording this on Wednesday. Which means that you know i'd be done uh, on friday i do just other work or maybe just editing and i don't record anything during the weekend um, another thing that has been taking quite a bit of time every day is uh, to chop up that content of the break uh, re-edit those segments slightly what i what i do is is pretty cool um, I, i'm using a new brand new feature of Adobe Premiere. Um, And I edit uh, in in a text-based manner. So normally when you edit a video, you've got just the original footage, which is continuous. But oftentimes when I'm recording recording a podcast, um, I'm much more verbose and I want to be in a video. So I just... (laughs) the conversation goes all over the place which is fine if you're just listening to audio and in the meantime you're doing something else or you're in your car heading to work but for videos you want them to be much more concise now what premiere now enables me to do as of this most recent update is i can let it transcribe the entire segment so that's usually about an hour and 15 minutes of audio and I get an, I get a text in a window, and then I can just delete whatever I think is superfluous, and I can make it much more compact. So I I posted um, some some reflect, uh, for instance, um, a take on why Disney is. Uh, wait, I didn't do that for the Disney Hotel. I think that I recorded that the old-fashioned way, but I think my thoughts on Willow and Disney Plus taking the television show Willow off of the platform i had some thoughts about that and i recorded a very long segment during the break but because i was editing this on the basis of the text it was much easier to bring that down to about what is it six seven minutes instead of 15 minutes Um, and then i add some photos and some screen grabs it's not much work it's certainly much faster than let's say, a couple of months ago, where I would, uh, I've would al- i already tried this in the past, and it just, every time, it was, took me forever to create video content on the basis of uh, something that was meant to be audio. Um, and so I gave up on that. Now, with this type of editing, I finally feel like this is, this is starting to work for me. But it still takes about an hour to uh, bring back... This long form video to a short form uh, clip, video clip. But I wanted to do it anyway because I feel that um, uh, for me the the video channels, YouTube, TikTok, are very uh, good ways to reach a, a broader audience than just with podcasting. And using the podcast as a basis can also bring new people in in. in Uh, onto the feed for the podcast. Anyway, uh, one of the other reasons that I feel that it's uh, important to spend some extra time on this is uh, that I've neglected my YouTube channels and I'm still neglecting my TikTok channel uh, because I've chosen to focus, as you know, on just a few things for this year that are my primary tasks and then all the rest... Should just be supportive work, but it never should should block uh my my priorities this This is probably the reason that I neglected those those channels and i so I went back and I looked at what have I posted recently, and I just realized it's it's not much, and what I posted is oftentimes not even what is of interest to um, the followers of my channel. And of course, uh, YouTube gives me a very direct uh, feedback on what people like to watch and whatnot. And so after after having done this for a week, I already see what works well, what doesn't work that well. Sometimes it, it surprises me because I will I always thought that reaction videos um, came out on top. People seem to like seeing me get enthusiastic about stuff but now i've noticed that it also depends on what i'm reacting to so if i react to something that my followers like then yes they want to see that because then they can compare it with how they react to for instance a trailer but if i'm reacting like just today i posted a reaction to the new trailer for Star Trek Strange New Worlds which I absolutely love I mean, I'm a huge Trekkie in addition to being a Star Wars fan but apparently, at least from the statistics I saw today, this is not the case for my current followers on YouTube so they kind of meh, yeah, that's meh yeah, that's okay, don't need to watch this <laughs> so it it encourages me to improve and to um, refine my approach and also helps me to, to pick the right topics for the break um, so all that is still a process that I'm learning right now so I, I, I'm willing to invest a little bit more time than I in the end want to be spending on this type of content uh, because it hopefully over time will become a routine just like recording podcasts is, is now a routine and it doesn't cost me that much energy. So, all in all, I think it's, it's, it's going fine. The one thing that, I've, that I have noticed that, that it helps me with, that it it's posting something every day, is to overcome my fear to share my thoughts. In the past, I sometimes would post a video clip on something that I'm passionate about, but clearly didn't connect with my followers, and and I would, I would give up immediately. It's like, oh my gosh, it doesn't work anymore. My YouTube channel is broken. Why didn't it? Why? What was I thinking? I know nothing about Star Trek. You know why would I, why would people watch this? And it would turn into a lot of self-doubt, and um, my imposter syndrome would be reactivated. Um, most of you know what the imposter syndrome is, right? It's this feeling that you're not good enough, and uh, people are going to find out that I'm actually not knowledgeable about anything whatsoever, so I'd better just not say anything, I'd better not post anything, not say anything, because I may be rejected. Um, And I I know that quite a few of you uh, also have moments where you suffer from this imposter syndrome. Um... Posting a new video every day, even if it's just a segment of my podcast, even if it is not exactly the right topic yet, it's still um, an act of courage where I put out my content, I feed my followers and I train myself to look at but who did watch it and who does react to this. And that in itself is already valuable. Even if it's just 40 people, you know, picture your your living room full, filled with 40 people. You say, oh my gosh, this is a party. This is great to have so many people that care to visit me. Why then, uh, when it comes to posting your content on social media, you feel like 40, that's nothing. Everybody hates me. <laughs> It's not as bad as that. My inner voice is no longer condemning me like this. But it's still there's still this nagging doubt, like, is this really worth my time? And what I always uh, forget in these moments is that the, the times that I went viral with content was, A, usually after a long time of posting all sorts of stuff that kind of, you know people watched it but nothing special and then once in a while you get that one video that hits the mark and it and then thousands and tens of thousands people of people watch it and react to it but if you don't post anything you will never get to that viral moment that's number one number two is um that one viral video is the result of months if not years of practice And what I'm doing by posting these videos every day is practicing, is fine-tuning, figuring it out. And at the same time, making people um, experience this process. I involve them in my efforts to tell stories that they engage with. And uh, when I post something, it gives me much more feedback than if I withhold it by, by telling myself it's not good enough. Because I'm not often the best judge of the quality of what I do. Sometimes I, on Sunday, I uh, I preach. And I'm thinking, eh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this homily. It's way too long. It went all over the place. And then sometimes you get this very surprising feedback where people tell you, this was exactly what I wanted to hear. Like this last Sunday, I... I um, I was uh, scheduled to uh, celebrate Mass in Wageningen, so that's the main liturgical center of the parish. Um, Father Mauricio was uh, celebrating Mass for the first communion of a whole bunch of kids in in, uh, in Ede, and Father Eric was in Wehendal, I think. So I was asked to celebrate Mass in Wageningen. The thing is, um, I, I prepare a homily, kind of based on what I, on the kind of people that I expect to be in church. And usually in Wageningen, it's uh, you know on Sunday morning there's quite a crowd, um, including families and younger people. After all, it's a student town. So I, uh, I was thinking, well, how can I? What story am I going to tell? That's always the big challenge. Like, how can I find a good framework a visual framework for what I want to teach and uh, it just didn't come to me right away and, and 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 I I got this image in my mind I don't really know how it works with creative processes but I got the image of a roller coaster in my mind it's like why am i thinking of a roller coaster <laughs> how can that possibly connect with the <laughs> with the, the gospel and the the bible readings and then I, um, I thought some more. And I was like, hmm, wait a minute. Uh, I, can, I can say something about uh, this one time that I was uh, riding a roller coaster in Universal Studios. It was, um, I don't think the roller coaster... Well, the roller coaster itself exists, but I think they rebranded it. At the time, it was called The, the Two Dragons. So it's uh, two adjacent tracks... And you're hanging underneath the rails instead of sitting on top of it, as in most conventional roller coasters. And then uh, they both start at the same time. They have slight, slightly different trage- tra- tra- trajectories. What a word. And uh, in the end, it's always like, well, okay, so which, which dragon is going to win? Uh, who is going to arrive first? Um, so I guess there is also a little bit of a randomized factor thrown in the thing is it looked spectacular couldn't really see the entire thing from when you were waiting in line but the moment you step in uh that's where the adrenaline starts to flow my heart starts to beat because you don't know you i've never uh been on this roller coaster uh, before and then the thing breaks down and we're suspended in the air even before the descent and five minutes, no, no information. We're already too far away from the starting point, so we cannot see what's happening behind us. We cannot see what's in front of us because we're still, uh, we, we need to go up. And then, even 10 minutes later, we still don't have an update. Nobody is telling us something. There is no uh, communication. So we figure, well, maybe they're, fi- they're trying to fix it. And so I start a conversation with people in the in the, uh, uh, the, roller coaster wagon or whatever it's called, the cart, next to me. And because it took forever, I think we've been sitting there for 20 minutes, uh, it was a really nice conversation. And in hindsight, what I do remember is uh, not the ride, because that's over in, in two, three seconds, uh, but... Well, two, two, maybe two minutes, but it's the whole, you know, connecting with people and of uh, not really friendship, but definitely the companionship um, that was very valuable, and also in a certain way reassuring to know that I'm not the only one who is kind of a little bit apprehensive about this broken roller coaster that I'm now stuck in, um, and in a, I don't know exactly how I reconnected that to the gospel. It was all about. Um, Oh, I think it's because it was the seventh Sunday of Easter, and <clears throat> since we celebrate Ascension Day on Thursday in the Netherlands, uh, we have different readings from lots of other countries. But in this one, it's the final discourse of Jesus at, during the Last Supper, where he, he prays for his disciples and for, for his followers, that they may be one, and that they are in the Father, like he is in the Father, etc., etc., etc. Quite an abstract uh, type of gospel. And so I felt, if I felt even more, felt the need that I needed to tell a story which would help me to convey what Jesus is trying to say. And so in the end, the way I connected it is uh, Jesus is talking about uh, what's next. Um, and, he, and in the first reading, we hear that the apostles with Mary and some of the brothers of Jesus are gathered in Jerusalem and they too wonder what's next. But what they don't do is, is making plans. They know that Jesus told them to pray. And what is prayer? Other than seeking the company of God. And if you pray for someone else, it's to bring your con- connection and communion with other people into your communion with God. So prayer is about connecting. It's about friendship. And and it's not about planning out the future or asking God to somehow um, prepare what's next. It's, the, the advice that the apostles get is to abandon themsel- themselves to the will of God, who will send the Holy Spirit. That's a promise. But they don't know when... They don't know what's going to happen and how that Holy Spirit is going to guide them and what's in store for them. And so I reconnected that with my experience in the roller coaster. Uh, I was stuck there. The only thing I could do is abandon myself and trust that the people um, in charge were able to fix whatever was wrong and, and to connect with the people that we in literally in the same boat almost as I was. And uh, so anyway, the analogy in the end became clear, but it took me a while to, to connect the dots. And I noticed, hello, while I was uh, preaching, that a lot of the people in church were v- among the elderly. And I'm and, and, um, talking about like 80 years or older. There were no... Young people in church, almost no young people, at least not from where from where I could see. And so I felt, and after Mass, when when I was uh, greeting the parishioners and having a cup of coffee with them afterwards, um, no reactions to the homily, and that's usually a bad sign because I almost always get reactions. And I, and of course I felt a bit. <laughs> ill at ease because you know what that may have been totally my 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 fault because the example the story that i told was so far away from the experience of these elderly people that may have never been in, in a in a roller coaster you know they just didn't connect to that particular story This may have worked really well with young people (laughs) or even online, if I would. uh, Well, actually, the fact that I'm sharing this with you, I don't know. I I would imagine that for some of you, this is a story that you can relate to because you've been in a roller coaster. Not that audience. And so I started to, the rest of the Sunday, like, oh man, I totally missed a mark here. (laughs) Wrong story. What else could I have done? And again, overthinking my own, my own homily. And that's when a, an email came in, uh, and, and later on, also a few other messages of people that had been in church, telling me how much they really re- related to the homily and how much it touched them, and, uh, and that they thought it was a, a great story. I was <laughs> like, okay, wow, I had no idea that for at least for some people this did work as a as a homily. So I was too. I was already preemptively um, berating myself for not having uh, delivered a good homily, and then I even started to doubt the whole concept of should I even bring in these stories? Is it is it not a, too much of a, a parlor trick? <laughs> you know, maybe I should just focus on. On, on, on more biblical uh, explanation and just keep it in the safe you know, world of the church and the kind of adapted to the older people. I'm all for trying to make a good match between the story you tell and the audience and what their language is and experience. But this example showed me that you don't know for sure who this is touching. And, and if you only look at the number of people that fail to react, then, then maybe you're, you're totally missing that for some other people this may be exactly right on the mark. You don't control that. So I should heed my own advice and then just abandon this to the Holy Spirit and how He works in the heart of people um, just as much as I should trust what the Holy Spirit teaches me and, and, and inspires me to share um, and I think this is something that uh, this is a tension in me that has been uh, bothering me to a certain extent for most of my life uh, this fear of speaking up this fear of sharing my thoughts of speaking my truth I don't want to be too pretentious and to say to speak the truth, but who am I to claim that I have the answers or the truth, or only one person has the truth, and that's Jesus, who is the truth? But I only have a partial um, perception of, of of that truth and 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 of his uh, of of the mystery that, that that God is, but this fear of sharing my thoughts even if they're incomplete even if I doubt myself even if I'm on the inside constantly in dialogue with myself the inner voice that tells me it's not good enough and people are not going to like you etc I know intellectually that I've grown a lot in the past few years and I'm much much more confident that what I do is what I'm supposed to do and I am much uh less reluctant to speak to speak out but there are this is a process it's never uh, like a a a sudden cure where i will never um, doubt myself anymore i will never have imposter syndrome anymore no it's this is a slow gradual process where over time i'm starting to let go of all that anxiety and sometimes that works better than other times especially when i'm tired when I have had a lack of sleep, or my sleep wasn't good quality, like these past few days, um, I tend to... Or these, inst- these uh, tendencies to overthink and, t- and to doubt myself are getting much more of a hold on me than when I'm well-rested and just in control of things. And you know what? What? Even in those situations of self-doubt, imposter syndrome, uh, overthinking, I keep telling myself, that's okay. You know, that's just, that's just the way you're wired right now, and you've already made a lot of progress. And if every once in a while you have these moments where you still kind of fall back in that old behavior, that, you know, that's okay. We'll get there. Take it easy. That's what I would tell someone else who would, who would share that with me. And I've, I've learned to tell myself what I would tell other people and to be kind and patient with myself and encouraging, positive, you know. It's not, not to worry. It's perfectly normal that you, you sometimes feel like an imposter. So many other people suffer from that. Oh, wow. This is a beautiful spot um, where there's an open... An open field here in front of me with some birch trees and low um, heather, I think it's called. Yeah, heather. It's it's not in, in bloom yet, but it still has that purple haze. Um, and actually, now that I'm saying this, maybe it is going to bloom. Because when you see that the purple haze, it may be a sign that... Uh, uh, that these, these um, bushes are, are starting to flower I don't know, we'll wait and see um, I think they're two times a year that these this heather is flowering um, but it's just, just such a nice open spot and there are a few uh, other uh, plants there with, with bright yellow flowers, also beautiful patch of color in the middle of all the green and the, the purple haze, beautiful and now I'm heading back into the woods. I'm not the only person enjoying this or a couple of uh, young people in love, holding hands, walking among the the heather plants and the bushes. very nice so um, I tell myself it's okay to sometimes feel this this blockade as long as you are able to to uh, to step out of it and to just observe what's happening, and then tell yourself, you know, it's 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 understandable, but it's not necessary. Just let it go. Um, in in um, in my younger years, I had a tendency to to ponder so much before I would say anything. So in class. Oftentimes, the teachers would ask questions. This was in primary school, secondary school, even in university, and children raise their hands if they want to answer. I always raised my hand at the very last moment. I always tried to be the last one to speak, so I could first hear what all the other kids would be saying or students. And in the meantime, I would I would formulate and reformulate what I was going to say, and and I try to. Get the most time available to make sure that my answer would be the best I could give. It's the same thing. It's the imposter syndrome. Very early signs of it. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe these other kids already have the answer. And what if I say something and it's not, it's not the right answer? Everybody's going to make fun of me. These very primal fears that I had as a child have been preventing me from speaking my mind so often. And even this uh, this moment uh, earlier today, uh, where I was de- debating, should I go outside and tell these guys that I, they, they wake me up with their banter underneath my window? There was a very strong resistance in me. I was like, no, I cannot do that. No. Why, why would I do that? And then there was a surge of courage. I'm like, what the heck? I'm just going to these guys are not going to attack me for saying that. They're not going to yell at me. No, I'm I'm sure they're perfectly reasonable, which is exactly how it turned out. So after that, (laughs) I told myself, and I tell myself now, you see, always don't wait too long to speak your mind. Don't overthink things. And even if what you say is not exactly the right thing or maybe after, in hindsight I could have thought this homily through a bit more. It's still okay. It still reached a couple of people for who it was important and it was the right thing to, to hear. And you'll learn from that. It's also an occasion to refine what you do and, uh, and improve. This is, this is the process that I'm currently going through when it comes to podcasting and YouTube. This whole um, uh, dedication to post a short video every day, um, and sometimes it's an excerpt from the podcast, other times it's just an immediate reaction to the news or to something else. Again, oftentimes in the past I would not do that I felt like I haven't had time to study this and other people are making these amazing videos with like 10 things you missed in uh, the trailer and total breakdown of every single detail and you know why would I even (laughs) record something when so many other people can do this much better than I uh, uh, than I can. Imposter syndrome. There are people that sure, they will watch those other videos, but they also want to watch me react to this stuff. And sometimes when I record things off the cuff and I just speak my, my mind and I just say what I want to say, uh, sometimes it, it, it reaches the exact people it needed to reach. It's not just the numbers. It's also the quality of, of the conversation that matters. For years and years and years, as a priest, I've been so hesitant in, in public uh, situations to speak my mind. Because our society nowadays is pretty intolerant towards uh, the values that I stand for. But in the same, at the same time, I'm also very critical towards the way that church in my country... And some of its leaders have been behaving. And I always try to not, you know, I, I always try to be super diplomatic and try to be nice so everybody would like me. And I often think if people really would know how I think, you know this because you're on the walk, I'm usually pretty straightforward and I feel that um, I just say it as it is, as I'm, as I'm speaking my mind. And, and in the past, sometimes this has also had neg- negative consequences for me when some people would, would take s- stuff that I said in, in the walk and republish it and reframe it on, on Twitter uh, and, and trying to uh, make fun of me or even worse, um, try to damage my, my reputation. But no longer do, do I want to be kept prisoner by these few people that may abuse my my openness Uh, this is part of the conversation people it's okay if people don't like what i say and if they push back or maybe they even attack me on because of what i say that's their prerogative but i also just as they are allowed to speak their mind me too i should be allowed to speak my mind it's not that I'm forcing this on people. It's, they can listen, they can agree, or not. But I want the conversation to be about arguments. And I think that I usually try to explain why I I believe things, and why. I, and this is true also for my faith, and how I try to explain that. I always try to be respectful in the way I speak, but also clear. And so... Not speaking my mind because I'm afraid of the consequences, is I think part of this anxiety. That is that is uh, there's also um, the same the same kind of process uh, that that um, is very close to the imposter syndrome problems that I that I mentioned. Um, when it comes to internal criticism, by the way, remember a number of months ago when I was talking about the, uh, this congregation from Argentina, or, uh, originally, uh, and they are all over the world, we call them the Blue Sisters over here, um, they are very um, uh, active in, in recruiting uh, young, young members. And uh, there were a few uh, or two girls from the parish that were starting their novitiate in, uh, in Italy. A very young age, like 19 years old. And at the time, I felt very uncomfortable about the whole situation because I happened to have read quite a few uh, stories, not just stories, but like very thorough investigations uh, as to certain sectarian tendencies of that congregation. Um, there are some horrible things. Uh, that have come to light about the founder of that congregation, who has been abusing uh, men and women in vulnerable situations for many years. He's been condemned for it. All that has been covered up for years, and he's still—he's now—he I read just the other day that he died. So he'll have to—he'll have to look Jesus in the eyes and. Uh, I, I'm praying for, for God's mercy, but it, this this guy showed no repentance, nor did the congregation. They covered it all up. They kept, like, there the, were just really bizarre scenes during his funeral where hundreds of sisters had, had traveled to Italy. And I'm thinking, who pays for those plane tickets? These sisters are always asking for money and live a very poor life mm. doesn't feel good and then they were like applauding him and, and uh, I don't know as if nobody believed that this guy was actually pretty rotten on the inside and I say this without hesitation if you look at what came to light this is uh, this is to a certain degree just as bad as uh, Maciel of the legionaries of Christ, same type of of um, a guy, narcissistic, uh, a, a, a very professional abuser, embezzling money, um, an alcoholic, not at all a reliable person, and this this entire congregation, or not the entire congregation, but it, there is still this this incredible cover up of of uh, of the truth and so i spoke my mind on the podcast and uh, some people were very upset about that how could i say that and well you know what today i read even more about this uh about what's going on in uh, with this congregation and also about the the, oh, the the scandalous way in which they brush aside ...the Vatican's uh, efforts to rein this in. The Vatican has sent uh, a special investigator... ...and he's completely sidelined... ...and he's so frustrated. And uh, all this is objectively happening... ...and you have the the letters that he wrote to the Pope about this... ...it's all out in the open. And yet, in that congregation... ...it's as if nothing ever happened... And I'm, I'm worried because I've seen this so often. Just, I, I'm just sick and tired of reading about my own church, um, but about these repeating situations where people are abusing the vulnerable, are, uh, are, are giving a counter-testimony to everything that, that Jesus stood for. And it's destroying lives. And it's happening today in so many places. Why doesn't anyone speak up? Why, if you raise your voice and you say, I've heard this and I'm worried about that, why are are we attacked? Um, I mean, no, that's not even a question. Why are we attacked? There will always be people that will go proactive in their attack because they have... An interest in silencing the the critics. This happens all the time in politics as well. But in the church, the same thing. I feel like um, when it comes to the the leaders in the church, bishops, um, I always try to be as positive as I can be. But I also want to be honest, and sometimes you have to also defend the victims of a certain situation. And so often in the past, I just didn't say anything. And uh, like the policy in some dioceses, the way people are treated, the way my fellow priests are threatened when they speak their mind, when they have a divergent opinion, how sometimes there is just bullying going on. I've experienced stuff like that myself as well. And and I was—they tried to silence me. You—you you cannot talk about this. You cannot—you cannot air your grievances or your—you uh, cannot talk about this conflict. Nobody has to know. And I'm outraged because they're pressing the right buttons. They know how to manipulate me. Because for 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 my entire life, I've been just trying to to be super diplomatic and uh, not saying anything controversial because who knows what the consequences are going to be. Maybe I will be rejected. But I'm done with that. If you never speak your mind, if you're never courageous, um, you'll live a life of regret. It's only when you talk about... When you address what's happening, when you address... Problems that you are able to find a way to solve them. And even if some people that may be in charge may not want to hear this, not speaking up is in a certain way collaborating. I'm not saying that you sometimes shouldn't be tactical. You know, there is a, a certain attitude in the Netherlands where uh, we are known for... Just saying it as it is. But sometimes that can also be extremely blunt and stupid. Sometimes um, that will evoke a defensive reaction that will block any dialogue. So I think that you cannot speak the truth if you don't speak it with charity. But that doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't speak the truth. And even if that leads ultimately to rejection or to countermeasures, and unfortunately I know too many priests who have suffered from this, where they, they were afraid. They were literally bullied um, so much that they didn't dare to say anything anymore. And sometimes they just leave. They just go to another diocese. Or worse, they start to doubt their vocation and they feel betrayed and they leave the priesthood. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. You know what? That's that's not the church that I want to be a part of. <laughs> but I'm going to reformulate that. That's not the church that I want these kind of people to, to be part of. People that do this. People that, that don't want to hear the truth. People that uh, uh, avenge the... Uh, the people that are trying to make changes uh, or, or, or to protect the weak you know for me it's, it's, it's just so painful to see that the, the, the kind of debate that's currently raging on on Twitter, there's just so many reasons that I'm no longer on Twitter Because every time I look there I see the same kind of discourse and it's so hateful and tolerant and full of black and white thinking and 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 attacks. Like whenever you say something that is irking some people because it's not what they think, you see this immediate uh, retaliation which kills any dialogue and makes people jumpy and scared and insecure. This is not the kind of debate that we want to have. But that's, that's that's the world in general but when it comes to my faith and the faith community that I'm a part of I feel that sometimes you just have to set your apprehension aside and speak truth and if possible also point in another direction um, I wish I could give more Specific examples. But I, I... I have examples. But I cannot give them. Because it's not just about me. Uh, I'm, I'm not the only person involved in this. So I want to keep it close to my heart. But I'm, I'm starting to learn... How to speak my mind. And to not be afraid. And to just say what I want to say. Regardless if, of the fact... If I, if I say... It, whether I say it perfectly... Um, if I thought it true, uh, through, uh, I, I am sharing my mind and I hope that I'm humble enough to always acknowledge that I may be wrong. And maybe if I learn a bit more about the situation and I hear some divergent opinions, maybe I will change my mind. And this is also true when it comes to certain positions of the church where um, over time, if you are truly looking honestly at the way uh theology and uh the uh, let's say the the laws of the church have evolved over time there is growth there is adaptation there is uh rethinking and renegotiation this happens even in the bible where where later generations are renegotiating the the meaning of certain events and certain texts. Oh wow, there's a car that has been on fire, I guess. Oh boy, it's being towed away. Lots of people standing around the car. It's completely burned. I hope that didn't, ha- I hope it wasn't an accident. Well, actually, no, I do hope it was an accident and not vandalism. Wow, I've never seen this in, a, in this, this small, quiet town. Anyway, so uh, what was I saying? I need to wrap up. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry about that. I'm too shocked by this burnt car. But uh, no, I, I honestly believe that uh, I'm I'm growing stronger in 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 just sharing what's on my mind. This is what I what I try to do when I record the walk and there were there have been times that I was very apprehensive maybe I shouldn't talk about this because I knew that some people were listening to the podcast who might want to take advantage of this to uh, put me in a bad light and now I'm thinking you know what whatever that if they do that that's their responsibility it's my responsibility to just be uh, free to say what I say and um, I'm I'm respectful of other people's opinions, even if they're not my own. Uh, I am aware that maybe I, I could be wrong, and I'm, I, I hope to be a disciple and to learn, not just to learn about, uh, learn to, to better, uh, um, how do you say that, defend my faith, but also to learn from the evolving world around us in which this faith uh, finds its connections uh, if you see this happening in the Bible, that's what, what I wanted to uh, uh, to share. In the Bible, you have these re-readings of history and reinterpretations, and we've seen this even in the early church, where you know some of the letters of St Paul weren't written by St Paul; they were written by people long after St Paul, renegotiating with what they what they heard and what they read of, of St Paul and Sometimes even reformulating it and taking slightly different positions. There's nothing wrong about that. This is how the Holy Spirit continues to grow with us. You cannot speak to a teenager in the same way you talk to a, a child. And so the Holy Spirit will also go with us. And if we evolve, the Holy Spirit will speak to us differently. And it doesn't mean that, that that makes every truth and every dogma all of a sudden a, a relative. Um, no there there are always foundations there is truth but there is also the way in which you apply that truth and you translate it into rules and into behavior and all that is subject to change throughout history Um, so that means that also I have to be willing to sometimes correct my own positions but it doesn't mean that you cannot say what you currently think and share what you, your current vision, as long as you constantly have that attitude of, well, you know what? I'm still learning. And it's okay to feel what you feel. Nobody should judge that. And to think what you think, believe what you believe, but know that you are in a process of growing and evolving. So follow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not like, here I am, this is the truth, please press the green button to acknowledge all this and then you're good to go. No. The Holy Spirit calls and begs and attracts and moves you and breathes in, in, in the sails of your bark, in your, your boat, and you, you journey. And the Holy Spirit journeys with you. That is... That is what faith is all about. All right. I need to stop talking, otherwise it becomes meandering. It already is. Thank you so much for the privilege of your time. Let me know, as always, if this, um, if this connects with something you experience, and if you have any advice or other thoughts. I always welcome them um, in either on Patreon, um, on the Discord server for the patrons, or um, in direct feedback on my socials. Talk to you soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless.